anytime you change something new, it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm. Otherwise, you would have already done it. And it was one of those things where you, it's a simple thing and you kind of know that already. Mm-hmm. But we often walk away from change or learning something new because the initial response to it is the discomfort. Right. And you're like, oh, this doesn't work for me. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward Copeland in the house and the place to be with all my friends come Uh, to see. uh, Uh, uh. Uh, yes. The okay. Flows are real. That, don't that ca- was don't so ca- great. Don't catch honey. me on these streets in a cipher. Okay. I would not ever lie to you and say that you were good at something when you're not. So it's not going to start now. Oh, so. just like you don't believe I could be the heavyweight champion of the world. You cannot actually. Okay. Not at all. That creed is still in me. It's a couple yeah. weeks back, but it, I still feel like it's I got- driving me crazy. <laughs> you and every man are all over social media thinking that you're going to be the next heavyweight champion of the world you need to stop yeah you know everybody You've never er, boxed a day you know, in your life you know and what? in your I mid-40s it can't happen by the, the the creed no i live by the the immortal words of mike tyson which are everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face okay do you need me to punch you in the <laughs> face? I know what is your plan. No, I'm fully aware that you feel like you can be a boxer until you you get hit in the face that first time. You go, hundred percent. Oh, that just rocked my brain out of its socket. So there's this thing are, I do I don't think Brian's where in sockets. there. No, I don't think a brain is in a socket. But there's this thing that I do, like when we watch the Super Bowl. All I could think about was, oh, if I got hit like that, it would take me a minute to recover. Yeah, and it's not even the hits. It's like if I got tackled and we slid on that grass for Mm -hmm. like five or ten feet i would have such bad like scrapes on my skin from that grass i'd have to you just have to take me out of the game be fine no so we're watching creed and all i could think of is like there is no way in hell that i could just get punched repeatedly in the (laughs) face and just get up and like pump myself up and come out of the corner and be like i could do this for 12 rounds no way I know. She is amazing. Yeah. She's my superhero. There you go. I love it. Okay. I have a little what in the world. Okay. Yesterday, we went on a little food tour. I'm going to talk about the food tour in a second because mm. that's part of you getting to know the 2023 Copelands. But we went on a little food tour and quite a few of the establishments you walk in and you help yourself to an iPad where you put yourself on a wait list. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Okay, go ahead. And then you put yourself like in a queue where you are placing your order. So uh-huh. I ordered some ice cream and it had the nerve as I was checking out and had done everything. I greeted myself in this establishment. I put myself on a wait list in this establishment. I typed in my own order on this establish- at this establishment and they asked me for a tip out checkout. I almost flipped the iPad. If you're not, if you're watching this, you see me. I'm shaking my head. If you're not, like, 
it it's is out of control. Outrageous. I am tip fatigued. Yeah. Like, I we think it's called tipping culture. Is that the culture that I, we're supposed to tip? Yeah, I don't want to tip for something you've then, literally not done anything who for. Does the tip go to? Right. It should is, go to me. Is in it that like case. a like a, a kind of a socialistic thing where everybody who works there gets a portion of that tip? Right. So when does like your job that you get paid hourly begin, and then the extra the tip? You know, begin. Like, mm-hmm. When does that end and when does the other one begin? I don't know because in a lot of like customer service jobs, you used to say, I'm sorry, we don't accept tips. Why? Because right. we're just supposed to give good service, right? right? Like we worked for Best Buy or Circuit City. Oh, we don't take tips and we're not supposed to take tips. Why? Because I'm supposed to provide you with good you know, customer service and answer your damn questions. Well, you took me to this place. They made me juice and like they would juice and acai bowl mm-hmm. and it asked me for a tip. And I, and the guy just looked at me like, and, and I thought, oh my God, this guy is manipulating me because <laughs> he knows that I probably want to be a giving person. And now you got this thing flashing in my head and my face and they're crafty. They're smart, which we would tell our business owners to do. Uh-huh. You would say it, it says 10%, 15%. No, no, no. Now they do 15%, 20%, and 22% mm-hmm. as the options. Yeah. The no tip option is kind of like hidden. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that is wrong. Yeah. Well, I can't remember where we were at recently, but it was a place where you did your own kind of thing again. Minimal service, I'll say that. And the tipping option started at 25%. Like that was the go-to. And then you can slide it around. But I was so fucking offended that it started at 25%. And I was just angry. Yeah. And I I slid it over and I found like maybe 18% because they didn't do anything. It wasn't even a customer service type of thing. So I got to say, we, the Copelands, in 2023... (laughs) Are tip fatigued. And I am a very generous tipper. Yeah. I always give over 20%. Always. Right. And then, you know, what's interesting is like after yesterday, we went to different places because you've had your cheat day and Mm -hmm. we're going to all the the many places for Mm -hmm. your cheat day. And I started thinking to myself, how I think we spent just as much in one tip and tips that we did in one location. Like it was like, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I get if you have a server, mm-hmm. right? And it's your way of thanking tip, them, yeah. of being attentive, mm-hmm. checking in on you, uh, making sure your glass is, is, is filled. Like, yep. there are a lot of things that when you go to a restaurant, it's not, you don't pay directly, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they build it into their prices, but mm-hmm. whatever. Like, the free water, the free bread, mm-hmm. right? You know, all those different things are part of the restaurant experience. But the, the person, uh, you know, the... The, um, That's keeping your cup full. The, yeah, you give them a tip mm-hmm. th- for thanking them for for doing a good job mm-hmm. of making sure those things. And we are generous tippers. Yeah. But this whole like you order something from a fast food place and the fast food place is yeah. asking you for a tip before you even get your food. Like yeah. at restaurants, after you get your food, after you eat, you've been served. You've been served. How now was your you can service? say. Here's how you can show us how our our service was by our tip. Mm -hmm. But now it's like part of the buying process. Yeah. It is. It is. And now there's so many like post pandemic (laughs) businesses that are doing the whole like, oh, we don't actually, you know, interact with you. You come in, you place your own order and it's still asking you for a tip. Yeah. So you haven't filled my glass. You haven't brought my food. You've done nothing for me so far. I feel so pressured. Like, yeah. 
I'm going to give you a 25% tip, but I'm anticipating that you're going to give me good service over the next hour and a half. And that's just simply not fair. Yeah. So I think we need to like say no longer, unless it's a, it's a delivery or a restaurant, are we providing tips? But even a delivery, if that, I order like Postmates or something, I think I have to select my tip option first. Yeah, which I'm okay with. I, I'm not really. Well, yeah, I mean, because it used had, to be after, right? right? And now it's like mm-hmm. part of the, the buying process. Right. And I think that that's the problem is like we got inflation, <laughs> everything has gone up. And so now they're just like nickeling and diming us. Yeah. Like, oh, we're just going to add the tip in too. And so the reason I have an issue with like Uber Eats or something like that, asking you to tip first is because I haven't received my shit. Yeah. And so just this past week, you ordered tacos and the taco order got canceled like four times. Right. Did you with not? T- maybe. The, oh, you yeah. did give a tip. Well, the tip was. Yeah. Because you, you can't proceed yeah. without the tip unless I'm doing it wrong. Right. No, you're doing it right. <laughs> that was an error on right. their point. Like, no, I'm saying if there's a way to get past that where you tip after you get your food. Right. But I, then you feel like, oh, well, if I don't give a good tip, then this person who's delivering is going to see that. And they're like, ah. Yeah. So I feel pressured on those delivery right. things to give a good tip because I'm like, maybe they'll pick up, say yes to my order, pick my food up with care, and then <laughs> ring the doorbell when it gets here, right? Right. And so I used to get upset because when Jordan does Uber Eats or Postmates, she is just like monitoring it and then she goes to the door. They don't ring the doorbell. Right. So last night I used her phone to order something and I saw that she had selected it as a preference to not ring my doorbell when you deliver my food. She just wants you to leave it on the porch and walk away. And that I was like, this is the difference between Gen X and Gen Z. Because she just wants you to place her food on her porch. I want you to alert me that it's here because right. I'm doing the dishes. I'm doing other stuff in the house. She's like, no, mom, I went out to the porch because I know they never ring the damn doorbell. And I thought it was their problem. Turns out it's my daughter's. So I go to the porch looking for my food. She said, no, mom, your food will be here in two minutes. <laughs> she was tracking it like on the app. And I was like. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like you've been messing everything up. Yeah. So that's my tangent. Like, my wanna, what in the world like, is over to see them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So today we are doing an episode. It's called 2023 so far. If you listen to our episodes in the beginning of the year, we talked about the fact that I was going to be approaching the year in a 12-week kind of chunk yeah. uh, way. So that way I wasn't overwhelming myself with like, oh, well, we got time, 365 days. You know, it's only beginning of March, whatever. I wanted to be held accountable and see some kind of scarcity for like, I got to take action because 12 weeks is going to run out. Yeah. And so my plan kind of got derailed a bit when I got COVID in January. So the first like four weeks I was down Mm -hmm. and then that bit a chunk out of my 12 weeks, which left me eight weeks. And one of my new year's resolutions was to like get in shape and start working out more. So I kind of you know, wasted the first maybe six weeks of the year because I was sick, because we had things going on. And then I was like, I got to get my shit together because I got six weeks left in this 12-week sprint. You also had surgery. Oh, yeah, I had surgery. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I wasn't just being a loser. No, I got Thank you, back. you honey. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know, people on social media, they do like every few months or so, well, here's a reintroduction. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be good to kind of talk about like we we did a lot of things to set up what you should be doing in the new year. So I wanted to kind of check in on that. But also for some people that maybe don't even know too much about us. Yeah. 
because the intro says that we have three kids. Technically, we have one living at home right now. So we're not raising small children. Yeah, we got to do that. And <laughs> we've been doing a lot of episodes lately on like things we're learning from our youngest because she's the only one home right now. And she's applying for college and going on all these auditions. So we've been sharing a lot of that. But I just thought it'd be good to kind of do a quick, brief introduction and then see like, what are you working on this year? Yeah. You go. Oh, I'll, I'll go first. So... With less kids in the house, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I wanted to do was get back to playing golf. So to have a hobby, I think it's a great place to free your mind, but mm -hmm. also like it's something, you know, constructive that yeah. you can do. And I think um, it's interesting because I played for a long time, then the pandemic hit and then I didn't play for a long time. And then so now I, I bought this course online. You didn't play prior to the pandemic, just so we're clear. I did play golf. Nah, you did not. Yeah, I did. it had been several years. I hadn't. I didn't play through the entire pandemic. Right, I know. But even prior to that, you weren't no, I was, regularly I, I, playing. I was playing with Lamont. I have footage mm -hmm. playing with my cousin. Okay. okay. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Semantics. Yeah. Go. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's been a long time. So I wanted to get back into it. I got invited to a trip. I mentioned this on the podcast before, and I wanted to work on my game. So one of the things I've been learning is you know, how to swing a golf club and everything. But one, it's interesting. I, I I pulled another learning from um, the courses I bought online. So I got mm -hmm. this course that got sold to me. Thank you so much, Instagram. It got sold to you, or you bought a I course. Bu <laughs> Those semantics right there. Yeah. So I bought the course, mm -hmm. but they did a really good job selling me. I okay. mean, this video. Never mind. That's that's a whole other conversation. But what was interesting is that in the course instructor is Hank Haney. So he's the old instructor for T uh, Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. And so he's going through and he's telling you like what things you need to look at and change in your swing. And he said, one thing I don't want to hear from you, not that he would hear from me, but what I don't <laughs> want to hear from you is that you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And he said that the first thing people tell him when he shows them how they should swing the golf course, they say, oh, this feels really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. He goes, anytime you change something new, it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm. Otherwise, you would have already done it. Right. And it was one of those things where you, it's a simple thing and you kind of know that already. Mm -hmm. But we often walk away from change or learning something new because the initial response to it is the discomfort. Right. And you're like, oh, this doesn't work for me. And so he would say that people would say, oh, this doesn't work for me. This feels really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and he goes, yeah, you do it until it's not not uncomfortable anymore, yeah. until it's comfortable. You and do it until it does work for you. It, exactly. That's he why said, I'm training you. Yeah. He, so, and he says, people, he goes, I will show them how to do it. They will do it. And then when I leave them alone, they will go back to what they're comfortable with. They just go, oh, it's just, this is much more comfortable for yeah. me. And they want that same routine to change everything, mm. right? And that same routine is the reason why the ball is not going where they want to go. I'm thinking about so many ways that that applies. Yeah. Like all of the students that we have that are trying to break through and have record-breaking sales for their business. Like how many times have people say, ah, oh, that doesn't really work in my neighborhood. Right. right. Bullshit, it doesn't work in your neighborhood. It's a proven sales tactic. Right. Like this works, right? So, um, or even with like a diet, like I had a girlfriend the other day say, oh yeah, counting calories doesn't work for me. Yeah. Okay. It was science. I mean, <laughs> I, okay. Just say you don't want to work, you don't want to work that into your schedule. Right. right. It's another way for people to say, this is uncomfortable for me. Yeah. I would prefer to have massive change in the comforts of my own. My constraints. Right. Things that I'm mm. so, I'm more familiar with. I don't. What a great lesson. So it was like, well, I was like watching and I was like. Huh. 
Yeah, your brain exploded. Right. And so like I immediately was practicing the thing. I go, this is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But keeping in mind, like in order for me to have the change, how do I keep pushing through this discomfort so that it becomes more of a thing that feels more orthodox than me than unorthodox? So could you say to yourself, this feels uncomfortable. That's exciting. Right. Exactly. I mean, because it is like this is uncomfortable. That means God, there must be something new that's going to come from this. Right. And I and I can. And I and and it made me just kind of it just was a quick reframe. Yeah. Instead of looking like, oh, this is this is uncomfortable. This must not be the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. No, the right way to do it is the uncomfortable way to do it. Yeah. And the reason why you're where you're at is because of the comfort. You're doing the comfortable thing. Right. It's wrong. It's wrong, right? Yeah. And so that was a big learning. Good um, job, honey. You're so yeah. smart. So from from a golf instruction, right? Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if we want to go back and forth. but Well, I could... the other thing you're doing that we're both doing is reading. Yeah. And so I will just say. Well, we read before, but well, now we're. Yeah, reading. there's a whole last <laughs> library of books in here, but we're trying to read some things for fun. Yeah. Because yeah. we've been in the habit for years and years of like, if it's not personal development, it's not business development, then we're probably not, not going to. psychology, yeah. if it's not like, um, yeah. Just something that can make you better in some way, then I we're just, ah, now that's okay. I'll find another book to get better. Right. And so Jordan is an avid reader. She's an amazing reader. And she challenged me last year and was like, mom, do you ever read books for fun? And I said, all my books are fun. It was the same exact answer that you gave. And she goes, nah, there's nothing fun about a business book. I said, yeah, there is. This fun business book is going to pay for your college, you know? Right. But she had a point. And so I started at the end, I think of last year with a a Mariah Carey memoir. Yeah. And that was, I was like, that was good. So I realized that memoirs for people that have great stories, learning about their childhood, like that stuff. I'm like, wow, they did all this. You do, you do like people's I stories. I do like yeah. people's stories, but that's me and my personality. I want to right. hear everyone's story, right? right? Like, right. why are they like that? Whether you're a bitch, whether you're nice, I, right. I want to know your story, right? And so um, the other day, I don't know, I saw Jewel from like the 90s who was a music artist the who will save your soul is a great song she played the acoustic guitar and i saw her on a podcast clip and i didn't know she wrote a book Mm. so i was like i'm gonna download this this will be fun i don't know much about her i remember she was from the 90s she's about my age and it said in the reviews that i read that there was a mixture of like her memoir She had a rough life, but it was also a really great weave of personal development and lessons and lessons. And so I downloaded it. It's like 21 hours. I'm like, Jesus, she's got a lot to talk about. (laughs) And I will say that I thought it was a really great book. And so she grew up in Alaska. She was homeless for most of her life from like 15 all the way till she got a recording deal. And she was living out of a rental car when she was like on tour. Nobody knew that, but she wasn't paying rent, didn't want to like have the expenses, didn't know how to really manage money. And so I thought it was a really great story. Her mom did her super dirty with like all of her money. She wound up being broke several years into it. So anyways, I had, you know, listened to this entire book for the whole week And I was like sharing stuff with you. It was really good. I shared the music with Jordan. I'm standing in line at the donut shop at 630 in the morning on Sunday. And this guy gets behind me in line and I hear him. 
who will save your soul? I turn around, I go, are you singing Jewel? <laughs> and he's with his like his 12 year old kid. And he goes, yeah, I love that song. And I said, oh, ironically, I just finished reading her book. And he goes, oh, I saw her on a podcast. She had a crazy life. He said, you know, what's funny is I used to live in San Diego and Jewel used to do like coffee bar gigs at, you know, different random coffee bars and bars and stuff. And I went, I just kind of stumbled across one of her shows one day and she was like, oh, you got to come in and sit down. And I wound up staying there for like two hours watching her perform. She was incredible. And I said, the funny thing is, is in the book, she says that she views herself more as a storyteller. And so when people used to walk by, she would invite them That's in great. and make them stay and be committed because she would do like improv storytelling throughout her different music sets. And so I found a guy that was who she was talking about. Like in the book, it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So anyways, I'm doing more of that um, nonfiction reading. You are too. Do you have a book? You're Oh, you're doing like um, apocalyptic. So, yeah, books. I love uh, apocalypse like type of yeah, you do. St stuff, especially when it's zombies involved. Mm -hmm. It's just my, my imagination goes wild, right? I would love for us to have like a zombie apocalypse for a week and then it's over just to see how people I respond. I don't want that because uh, Jordan wants to just kill herself. <laughs> but I'm um, reading um, The Living Dead. Uh -huh. And so that one is gripping. So I, I've never read, I've read fiction books before, mm -hmm. but I've never read a horror fiction book. And so I'm reading it and I'm like all into this book because it's like every word is just like pulling me in and mm -hmm. my imagination is like, creating a, a picture, right. right? I'm using the the language and the words to create a, a, an actual picture. And so Jordan comes stomping down the hall and I freaking jumped <laughs> like, what the fuck? I was like, why are you? You actually said that. Because yeah, because <laughs> it was at a point where I was like, what's going to happen? And she came running down and I was like, it, it literally yeah. caught me off guard. And I was like, and she goes, What's wrong with you? I was like, what's wrong goes, with you? I'm in the part of a book where it was really <laughs> scary. And she goes, dad, it's a book. <laughs> I was like enthralled. So uh, that that that's was funny. So that's been fun. Uh, I'm also, uh, so I have like my home reading. And then like when I'm on at work and I'm on breaks, I read another book. So I'm reading Rick Rubin's um, book. Um, I think it's called The Creative Act of uh, Being or something like that. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. The creative act. And then it's called a way of being. Mm -hmm. And so he just basically talks about his creative process. And he and it's really interesting. But he said something that really helped me with the understanding and appreciation with collaboration. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it makes me want to lean deeper into collaborating. So he says the inspired artist aspect of yourself may be in conflict with the craftsperson's aspect. So what he means by that is like, you're an aspiring artist, you can create in your mind, but you may be in conflict with the craftsman in you to actually build mm. what you're actually envisioning. Yeah. And, and he said that you may be unable to do that. And I thought, wow, like sometimes you get all these ideas and they die because you're not thinking about who can help me with this? Mm -hmm. You're thinking about, I have to be the one to build whatever I'm dreaming of. And mm -hmm. you may not have that skill set to build right. it. You may just have the skill set to help co-create it. And then like learning more about him, like he doesn't really play an instrument. He is the person that collaborates. Mm -hmm. So he he hears sounds and he can direct producers and engineers to make the sounds. And I'm sure he knows how to do those things. Yeah. 
he's famous and successful simply because he has an ear and he collaborates. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was a magical thing, like just to think about the fact that, you know, how often do you have good ideas and you just go, man, I, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Right. And so if you go out and you find someone you say, hey, I have the vision, you have the the hands, let's put the brains and the hands together and let's create something special. I think collaboration is something that we're missing in today's world, though, yeah. because everything you see is like me like i did this i built this you know it's a lot of like maybe it's for social media i don't know but that quote say the quote again the inspired artist aspect of yourself may be in conflict with the craftsperson aspect and so he goes on to say disappointed that the craftsperson is unable to create the physical embodiment of the inspired artist vision so it reminds me of I'm a great baker or a cake decorator, but now I turn it into a business and I'm really struggling. Yeah. Why? I don't like QuickBooks. I don't like numbers. I don't right. like math. I don't want to be talking about profitability and expenses and all of that stuff. And we see so many artists struggle with that. Yeah. And I can't help but to think of all the times we're trying to explain that quote, which is just because you're good at this doesn't make you qualified to be good at this. Right. Right. And so taking a class for QuickBooks or learning how to manage profitability numbers, like learning how to either find an appreciation for those things so you have an understanding is what's necessary or hire someone, outsource it. No one said you have to do it all by yourself. Right. But at the end of the day, that shit's got to get done. Yeah. And so that was a really great quote that I think applies to so many different things in life um, because you could have all the ideas in the world, but like I want to be a New York Times bestselling author. I'm not an author. I'm not a writer. So what do I have to do? I got to learn about how other people publish right. books. And I'm learning that they have ghostwriters. They have other people that help them. They hire editors. There's a whole process. And most of the people whose books you're reading, they didn't even really write the book fully. They right. just had the concept, right? Yeah. And I think that's a powerful thing because what you said, I hope people ca captured that there may be moments where collaboration is absolutely needed and it's mm -hmm. probably going to give you more speed, Yeah. right? Or if you say, hey, I don't have a person that I know can help me build this, I need to pause on the artistry and now I need to go learn the craftsmanship yeah. in order to actually build the thing I'm trying to build. So right. I'm taking writing courses, doing all these different things. And I think that those are things to, to really separate so that you don't kill dreams before they even have an opportunity mm -hmm. simply because those two things are out of alignment, yep. right? And so I think that's just a powerful, powerful thing. I thought that I was great. So, so that was a good learning that I yeah. had. And the last um, book that I'm reading, and I'll tell you about my learning, um, the book I'm in right now, I don't know why I'm reading only white women right now, but <sighs> Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda um, captured my eyes or my attention because she did a talk um, with Oprah one time mm. and she was talking about how life is divided into three trimesters. So you have like zero to 30. That's when you think you're hot shit and you know everything your first trimester and you really don't. And then you have 30 to 60. She said that's the trimester, your second trimester, where you're really doing the bulk of earning and growth and all of your hard lessons are learned in your second trimester. And then your third trimester is when you're supposed to go out with a bang. Yeah. Like you have hopefully from 
you know, 60 to 90 to live through all of the experience that life has taught you in trimesters one and two. And then now you get to like go out on top and like really live full out. So she has this revelation and right before her 60th birthday, the beginning of her third trimester, she realized that she didn't want to be married to Ted Turner anymore. Mm. And in order for her to go out on top and live a life unapologetic and full out and do the things she wanted to do, like she wanted to be vibrant and lively. He didn't want to do that. And so she ended her marriage. She said, he's still one of my very best friends, but we wanted to like go out with a bang in a different way. And I just really respected that. And that stuck with me. So when I saw her book kind of come across, it said um, the third act. And I was like, I'm in like, I want to know more about that. And I've used that analogy many times to talk to people who are in their 60s who are living a life like they're dying. Like you're living like, oh, yeah, got through this day. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Like the, the the life of waiting. Right. It's like a waiting game. Are yeah. you waiting to die? Right. I don't understand. And so we've talked many times about we don't want to live a life like that when we're in our 60s. We want to maintain health and good energy and be in good spirits and, you know, keep feeding and nourishing our minds. So that way, when we get to the third trimester, we actually can live it. I love that. I think that that screams possibilities yep. when you think about your life in those in those chapters because I think it should every year should be providing you new life new perspective because you know it's not promised and yep. so I think when you break those things down and you and you stop you know waiting to die yeah um and we can get into that that's a whole other episode yep. but that's I think that's great yep okay so then the other thing I committed to was good healthy habits this year because I wanted to get my body in shape because I'm turning 45 this year um, at the end of May and yes thank you still in the second I, trimester I, 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 I don't have a birthday this year so yes you do <laughs> but um, and so you know getting off to my 12 week like slow start because I was sick and stuff I've been now, I've cleaned my diet up in my third week and I feel great about it. And so there's a book, we're going to link all the books that we've talked about in the podcast so far, but there's a book by Tim Ferriss called The 4-Hour Body. Yeah. And really it's like science and all the reasons why, you know, you should be eating X, Y, and Z. And after reading the book, I was like, we do this every day. Like we eat clean. We don't eat an excessive amount of carbs. We don't eat sugar. But at the end of the day, we do like Jordan and I really like sweets. We like crackers. There's things. So my issue is, is that as I get older, in order for me to lose weight, I have to kind of cut and do some major things. But if half of the people I know that are battling their weight ate the way that we ate on a weekly basis, like they would lose weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we eat relatively clean. But yeah, if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I'm going to eat chips and salsa, right? right? But I'm going to also order a salad. And so just, I don't know, what I'm trying to say is I had to make some kind of major changes in order to see a difference with my body, right? So I started working with a trainer again. I'm going to Orange Theory. But I had to really clean up the diet because, ladies, if you don't know, you cannot out-train a bad diet. No. And if you think that you're doing something healthy for yourself by eating salads every meal, I'm going to tell you there's probably more calories on that salad and non-nutritional things that are stifling your weight loss than you think. Starting with the dressing, starting with the little add-ons, whether they're croutons, tortilla strips, whatever, anything creamy is probably adding pounds to you. So. (laughs) 
So anyways, um, based on the information from the Tim Ferriss book, he's like, you need a reset. Well, I know from bodybuilding that when I eat really clean, if I have one reset meal, it literally resets and changes my whole body. Mm -hmm. Why? I have digestive issues. I have like, you know, I have constipation issues. I've got my own issues. So I know what works for me, right? Right. So Tim Ferriss tells me, don't just do a cheat meal, do a cheat day. I was like, yes, I'm in. (laughs) And I'm going to try it. So the thing about a diet, ladies listening, you have to try things to see what works for your body. I know my body likes to be reset and it works like magic for me, right? So first week, I clean up everything. I'm to the point where I'm going to get really regimented up. This is what I'm having breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack for every single day, Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday, when my husband's off, my daughter's off, we're going to have a cheat meal, a cheat day, actually. (laughs) And so what I did was I got a journal to kind of, you know, track and monitor and make sure I held myself accountable. And preparation is key if you're trying to like, you can't just... I will say this, for me, I can't live in chaos if I'm trying to eat healthy. I have to know what is my next meal? What time will it be? Where is it coming from? Is it packed? Did I make it? Like I need to just know. Or if anything goes, then anything goes and I'm off track, right? Partly because you like food that tastes good. Right. Yeah. But if I make the food, I can make food that tastes good. Right. And so the planning comes into that because you won't just, you know, you're not into just eating crap. Right. Right. So like, for example, we didn't have a meal plan the other night. We went to El Pollo Loco. I asked for a side salad with nothing on it. They put all that creamy freaking dressing on it. That ruined everything. Mm. So I didn't eat that. So knowing where my meals are going to come from, what they're going to be has been key for me. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because my Sunday cheat day Throughout the week, everything that I want that I don't have, I write it down excitedly. So I don't say, oh, man, I can't have that. I go, ooh, I can't wait to have that on Sunday. Right. So you and Jordan ordered freaking tacos. I'm watching you eat these crunchy tacos. And Eddie's over here, you guys. It's just a taco, honey. Um, It has protein in it. There's no cheese on it. I'm like, I can't eat the taco right now. I don't want to eat the taco. Can you please support me? (laughs) You pissed me off with that one. Well, we both did. Yeah. I was like, what's wrong with you? Oh, mom, you got to try this churro. I'm like, I'm not going to eat the churro. And and that, yeah, because we. That was so wrong of you guys. It was very wrong because we realized when you, when you kind of snapped at us that, oh, shoot, she's. She's you know, serious about she's this. She's serious about what she's doing because normally we could say, hey, try this. And you say, I can't have this, but let me try it. Oh, yeah. And, but now it's like. But you 100% trying to sabotage me. It was yeah. like heckling me for not trying the damn taco and the churro. So Sunday was yesterday. What do we do? Order the taco, the churro. And I'm just going to be really real with you. I wanted donuts. So I woke up. I, I couldn't. For some reason, I couldn't Deceptively sleep. woke up. I woke up at 5 to go to the restroom, 5 a.m. I couldn't go back to sleep. So I sat in bed, tossing and turning until about 6. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the donut shop early because they keep selling out of the donuts that I want on Sundays. So she snuck out of the house. sneak out. Quietly tiptoed out of the house to have a Pulled my car out of the garage, (laughs) 
I drive 20 minutes to this donut place, stock up on all the donuts that I want. I, I no stopped clue. and got you coffee. I had no clue. And then I got back in bed, went back to sleep. And, and when pretended. you woke up, I didn't pretend. <laughs> when pretend. you woke up, you said, babe, do you want me to go get donuts for I you? I was going to get up and I was like, oh, she's still sleeping. You know, I'll get up and and I'll quickly shower and right. I'll go and get donuts for her because she must be tired. No, this lady had already left, returned, did all this moving about, going to different Wait, cities, coming that. back. And then slid under bed like like all sneaky. You like. act like it was and, sneak attack. And me, and me and Jordan were like appalled. Like, who sneaks out of their own home? You're ridiculous right now. <laughs> he like gently wakes me up and says, "Babe, do you want me to go get you donuts?" And I said, "No, I already got them. They're in the they're in the kitchen." And he goes, "When did you leave?" <laughs> I go, "I couldn't sleep this morning." He goes. You actually left the house yeah. and I didn't know. I yeah. was like, what is this jail? I don't understand. <laughs> he goes, well, should I go get you coffee? I already got that too. And so he was like highly offended that I snuck out of the house to go get him and us donuts and coffee. And then you roped Jordan into that. Did you know your mom snuck out this morning? I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I live in jail. This is a prison. So anyways, we started off with donuts and then we got breakfast, real breakfast from, you know, a different restaurant, some pancakes yeah. and rice bowls with chicken. So and then. Yeah. So we go this whole day. Everywhere. Everywhere she wants to I go. eating all this bowl, crap, taco, right? Taco, churro. So the, mostly it's like a bite of everything. Yeah, so at the end of the night, I go, Jordan, you want, you know, tacos. Sushi. Sushi. I said, oh, Yeah. Uh, so we got tacos and I was like, all right, well, our next meal is sushi. Mind you, this is like the fifth meal of the day. And she looks at me and she goes, no, you're going to have sushi? She goes, I hate Sunday. I hate it. I was like, <laughs> she was, she had ate so much. She just said, I hate it. I don't want no more. Mind you, she doesn't have to participate in this, but yeah. we went to like two bakeries and ice cream shop. We've got this stuff. We took a couple bites. We tossed it. Like literally it was such a wasteful day, but I needed that so bad because yeah. I don't want to deprive myself. That's hilarious. So that's my strategy. And I will tell you it works because come Monday, I am happy to be like, get all, get rid of everything and I'm happy to clean it up again. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. I there, love my Sundays. There you go. One of the things that got my mindset wrapped around like being excited about cleaning up my diet and not saying, oh, I'm on a diet. I can't have that. No, is, uh, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. You have to change the way you're looking at it. But one of the things is I was listening to something by Jim Rohn mm -hmm. and we love him. And he was doing this whole talk about the drift of neglect. Yeah. And just that one thing, that one phrase, the drift of neglect, think of how many things in your life oh it God. bleeds into. I mean, you don't want to floss your teeth. You don't take care of them. Guess what? The drift of neglect, your, your shits are going to look nasty in the next three to five years. And I love that because... I take that those words and I say the drift. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think it's a slow it's a slow drift. move to neglect, mm -hmm. right? It's like you stop doing something mm -hmm. one day, then you're inconsistent and then before you know it, like you're you're done. And so yeah. I think people go on these you know, weight loss journeys, they go on to different uh, journeys and then they don't realize that they get really good at this habit 
And then they slowly drift away from it. Mm-hmm. And then before they know, they wiped away everything that they've accomplished when it comes to it. And, you know, it's it's interesting because you could drift away from anything, like yeah. your, your purpose. Well, right? for me, when I think of drift, I think of you're going in a direction, you're on, let's say, a canoe and you're going, let's say you're going downstream and you have full control and, you know, you've got this paddle, but then you go, you know, I'm going to put the paddles in and I'm just going to kick back and enjoy the day. It's a beautiful day. Look at the weather. It's so great. And before you know it, you've drifted down this path and now you're lost. Don't know where the hell you are. The water gets choppy. You lost your paddles because you weren't paying attention. And so just the slow drift of not paying attention to something can cause massive destruction. And so I thought about the fact that after we were bodybuilding, we hated dieting and restriction and all of that stuff. And we needed to take a break from Mm -hmm. it. But we have slowly drifted away from like any sort of structure for the last five, six years. And for me... Uh, asking the ladies that are listening, if you didn't diet for five or six years and you ate whatever you wanted for five or six years and you continued to do that for another five, what do you think the scale is going to tell you? Yeah. What do you think your body's going to look like? How do you think you're going to feel? What do you think your health is going to be? It's not going to be optimal. That's for sure. So it's this slow drift that kind of compounds over time. And then what happens is one day you hear a podcast like this or something sparks you and you're going to go on vacation. The summer's coming up. Your birthday's coming. Someone's getting married. And now you want to snap back. But that slow drift of not paying attention to something for the last five or six years is not going to be something you could snap back in two weeks of a diet from because you had that slow drift for five or six years. Yeah, and it, and the, to me it was just like really yeah, eye opening. I was huge. like, I mean, this is small, but I mentioned it a couple podcast episodes ago. Like, I'm not doing anything right now to exercise my memory. And so when I watch Jordan prepare for her auditions, I find it remarkable that she could memorize two hours worth of dialogue and get on a stage. Right. Multiple and then, different, different shows. Yeah, and then yeah. she has another show next week that she's doing the same thing for. And then she's got all these monologues for college auditions. And I have told her so many times, I go, I'm just in awe of you right now. Like yeah. your memory is so amazing and I want you to never like lose that. But the drift of neglect when it comes to my memory, I could feel it. And so I can't yeah. expect that I would memorize two hours right now because I haven't been really in practice of that probably since freaking high school. I think it's so powerful because how many people right now, if you're listening to this, you've neglected your memory, you've neglected friends, Mm -hmm. you've neglected your Your body, you've neglected your your, your mental health, your finances, you've neglected all these things. And and now you're looking at them and and you are not taking responsibility that that this is neglect that Mm -hmm. created this uh, and not the outside world. And, it's, and I would just it's, add, it, it's it, the drift of the neglect. It's right, but not the, uh, but like, it, but, oh, but, I just abandoned it. But at some point, it is now neglected. Yeah. Right? So the drift of neglect is the is the behavior to move to neglect. And then it's neglected. And it reminded me of, we were talking about it earlier, I was like, the, Zig Ziglar says, planes are built for flying, boats are built for sailing, and people are built for creating. And 
if you leave a plane on an airfield and you never fly it, it deteriorates far faster than if it flew every single day. Mm -hmm. The same thing for a large vessel on, on water. If it sits in the marina, it's going to deteriorate and get to decay much faster than it being used every day. So when you're not in your purpose, you're neglecting mm -hmm. and it deteriorates much faster. You, your spirit, your being, and that act of neglect leaves you in a space where you feel unfulfilled. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're wondering why you feel so empty. You wonder why you feel like you're lost. I'm wondering because, why my five-year-old nephew's beating me in a game right? of memory. <laughs> so it's just like, it's a powerful thing. Like when you think about like, What's, what things feel are in the, right yeah. now? Are you drifting from the in yeah. place of neglect? I have definitely let, let my memory drift. And so like another example about my five-year-old nephew, he calls the other day and he's telling me the first 16 presidents. I know. Boy, if you don't get out of here with that, you're just showing off now. I don't remember the names of the first 16 presidents. You don't? No. Oh, that's crazy. I'm just joking. <laughs> but I was so proud of him. He's five. Yeah, like, that's how awesome. does he know that? Right. And he he knew him so well. So that's one of the things that I'm focusing on right now is like paying attention to like what is the drift of neglect mm. um, that I need to pay attention to in my life. And it for a while was like really being purposeful with structure around my body, my health. And so yeah, that's what I'm on right now. Yeah, I mean, you could be neglecting your creativity. Like not oh, like there's so many things that you can be you go on the atrophy of not being able to come up with new ideas, not be able to, re, re, you know, have great relationships yeah. all come from. I mean, I will say like since the pandemic, I'm not going to my bakery anymore. I don't have coworkers. I've mentioned many times yeah. to you, like I'll go 10, 12, 15 hours sometimes without talking to anyone and now I find myself like, do I know how to have a conversation? That's the drift of neglect, yeah, you know, like yeah. I have to exercise those things. And then just another couple of things. Jordan, the other day, you know, she's in all these different productions and that means you're working with other people. And, you know, if if she wants to come home and kind of say like this person's not doing what they should be or whatever, we love those conversations because we Tell her, well, you're not always going to have great coworkers. You're not always going to have great teachers. You're not always going to have great directors or people that you work with. So this is just how life is. So right. like, how can you find some humor around it? Right. And so she was talking about someone the other day, like not knowing their lines, like right before the show day. And I was like, well, you know, that's going to be on them. And she goes, no, it's a group project. Ma. It's a theater production, right? And so she said, we are seniors in high school. And shouldn't you be good at something that right. you've been studying for four years? Right. And this is what my 17-year-old daughter said. She said, for example, if you wanted to do a TED Talk, you would have to come up with a structure for what you were going to give a speech on, right? right? She goes, now, if you sat there and wrote a speech that was really great, that'd be great. But if you just stand on the TED stage and you just read the speech, you think that's going to be very impactful? No. She said, so if you took it to the next level and you practice and you not only wrote the great speech, but then you memorized the great speech, don't you think the next step would be like, now I feel fluid. I feel like, oh, I could use some facial you know, gestures. I could use my hands. I could be more animated to get my points across. I could maybe smile here. Wouldn't your TED Talk be better? Yeah. I said, 100%. She goes, and then if you really like believe, so she had all these steps to get to a great TED Talk. She said, that's the difference in a good TED Talk mm. 
or just doing a TED talk. Good to so does it. somebody want to be an actor and just say their lines? Or do you really want to be a student of acting and theater? And that means you got to put in your repetitions and you got to focus on being great. And I was like, like hey, fucking her, men. And, 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 and basically what she's saying is if you want to do anything spectacular at a high level, you have to embody the thing that you're doing. Right. Which is the opposite of, of, of neglect, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this person who she's referring to, neglected to embody what not even get to that place like neglected to even hold up their end of the bargain mm-hmm. right of, of being a part of a show but i think that just goes to show like the beauty of consistency yeah. rehearsal practice like what are you getting good at we've done so many episodes asking people like what are you in practice of right now what are you trying to get good at right and so that was just a great lesson from our 17 year old and i'm gonna be really sad when we have no more kids in the house because I feel like we in their older years like learned so much from them. Yeah. And then another example of something we learned from her and then I'll leave it alone, but we were talking about someone who back in the day used to kind of be like a bully. And I was like, oh, the is villain. she still like that? Like still the villain? And she goes, no, she's actually in her redemption arc. And I was like, that is beautiful. <laughs> She's in her redemption arc, meaning like if you haven't heard, you know, the hero's journey, right, there's right. like different arcs of a story. And so she was like, giving this girl credit for being in her redemption arc, which I thought was really sweet. And Eddie goes, wait, 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 what, what? Does she know she's in this arc of her story? And it just was like a beautiful no, she conversation. Goes, no, she doesn't know, but she's on that path. It's yeah, like, but we notice. Yeah. And, which and is that's a, all that matters. That's all that matters. It's just somebody should say, hey, I just want to let you know your redemption arc was really wonderful. And people are like, she'd be like, what? Right. Yeah, right. Like, you just, you know. Thank oh, God you're not a little bitch anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. You went from, you know, the villain that turned into the, the person you root for. Yeah. So I just wonder what arc of your story are you in right now mm-hmm. as a listener? Like, are you in your redemption arc? Are yeah. you in your neglect arc? Oh, yeah. <laughs> are you in your revenge arc? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you just came out of a bad marriage or a toxic relationship it's okay be in the revenge arc right but what arc are you in i thought that was a really cool question to kind of ask yourself yeah that's really so that's all we got for today i hope that we gave you some things to think about again this podcast was really developed because there were stories and things that we were going through and learning about that we felt were important to share with other people so if we ran into you after not seeing you for a while and we're good friends these are the conversations that we would bring up to hopefully inspire some good conversation, perspectives, and just bounce some ideas off of each other. So if you have something that you want to share with us, please head over to iTunes, leave it in a review, let us know what stood out for you, and then give us something to digest too, because we're always looking to grow. And so I hope this was enjoyable for you. We'll see you guys in the next episode. All right, push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time, push through.